I see so many people today running around looking for material solutions to what is essentially a spiritual problem. And, you know, I'm guilty of that too. I mean, I'm guilty. I'm really guilty of that. And I thank the Holy Spirit for opening my eyes, helping me see clearly. And it's still a practice. You know, being attached to the material world is not something you can let go of easily. But it really, you know, this is why reflection, spending time to reflect every day is such a critical part of your spiritual development. It really is, because ultimately... It's in those quiet times by yourself when you're taking a walk or, you know, maybe you're just sitting in the house and just relaxing, having some tea, whatever it is that you do to relax. But when you are allowed to reflect, to tune out of the world, I mean, today we're, we're so tuned in, right? The phone is constantly following us. We are constantly plugged into the matrix. So when you can actually tune out, that's when, you know, that that spirit speaks to you. That's when you can pray, right? And true prayer is just communication. And if anything, it's, it's, it's not even us reaching out to God. It's really, you know, God is always there knocking on your door. It's, it's really you that shuts the door on God, right? And so we, praying is really just opening the door. He's there waiting for you all the time. And so that's why it's so important to do that, because when you do do that, when you do open the door, you start to realize what a matrix all of this really is. And, you know, in many ways, a lot of these other disciplines, I mean, I used to be heavily into New Age and Zen and all that kind of stuff, and there's certainly some truths in those things. But, you know, one of them that seems to be pretty consistent is this idea of being attached to the material world, right? It's, it's kind of an illusion that we live in. And that's true. You know, that really is true because it's sort of like a self-defeating paradigm if you really think about it. I mean, the world is beautiful, for sure. Nature is beautiful. Right, let me put it this way. Nature is beautiful. The world, which could potentially encapsulate the natural world and the world that we created as a result of our imperfect and you know corrupt systems that's not a nice place to be because it's dying it's dying very rapidly but nature is really beautiful and that's why it's such a source of inspiration and, and clarity but in either case you know to live in time and space to take action comes with consequences. Everything has a consequence. I don't mean like morality here. I'm just saying just the pure act of doing something and the result of it on the world, right? So there's always a consequence. And so you're never free. You're never free when you when you try to do something to fix something. See where I'm going with this? I mean, this is the whole point why there's no material solution to the spiritual problem of being human. I think Buckminster Fuller, it's 
one of the famous, I think he's dead now, but he's a famous physicist or scientist. And he said something like, yeah, I'm probably going to butcher it, but he said something like, you can't solve a problem with the same paradigm that created it. Right? Right, so if I'm trying to solve a, a situation, I can't think in terms of the same paradigm. I have, to, I have to think of a broader paradigm, of a new paradigm to introduce a true solution. Otherwise, it's just going to be spinning around and spinning, right? So that's what it all comes down to, you know, with, with the material world because, you know, let's, let's use a concrete example. So a lot of people turn to self-help and personal growth. And I was... You know, I made a career out of that for many years, being involved in a variety of different self-help or personal growth type of mediums. I've written books, I've done podcasts, I've blog, health blogging, health articles, uh, health coaching, health certification, went to motivational you know, seminars, all kinds of stuff, right? And as a professional athlete, there's a lot of personal growth there. <laughs> And, you know, what it comes down to is personal growth is all about taking action, right? It's all about being accountable. You're the one that's accountable. You're the creator of your life. And at first it feels very empowering, right? It feels very empowering, especially if you've felt stuck in your life and you've kind of felt, you know, lost. And that's why I think personal growth really targets people who are spiritually lost, to be honest with you, because... The reality is you don't need personal growth. You really don't. Can it be helpful? Yeah, sure. Again, everything has a half-truth in it to some degree. But um, what is the cost of that half-truth? That's, that's the real question. You know, what's the, what's the cost of any belief that I take on that is not the full truth? Let's put it that way. And there is always a cost. It's always a cost. That cost may not be obvious, but there's a cost. And with personal growth, the cost is that you get lost in the material world. You get lost in this constant rat wheel of never enough. You know, it's it's based on constantly hitting the next objective, the next goal, the next material outcome. And the question is, you know, are you really doing anything? You know, or is it the illusion of productivity? What, what, have you ever thought about that? Like, what does it really mean to be productive? You know, productivity is, it's completely relative in the sense that you're really just measuring it against some subjective standard. You're saying, well, you know, like with my podcast, these when I first started, okay, well, what's a good amount of downloads? Well, you know, when you're first starting out, <laughs> you don't get any downloads. So... I got six downloads. Nope, oh, you know, I'm doing good. I, some people listen to what I had to say. Then I got 20 downloads, you know, then you got 100, then, you know, 200 and so on. And, and it never ends, right? Whereas if I would gotten, let's say, 200 the very first week of my podcast, wow, I'd be thrilled. I'd be like, holy, holy smokes. But see, it's never enough. And then we do more action and then we get another result and then we do another action and then we, you know, we either fail or we succeed. And so it just keeps going and going and going and it never ends. And in that whole process, you're bound to grow a little spiritually for sure. I mean, you're bound to grow some discipline, you know, maybe some faith, maybe some courage. So it's not a complete wash necessarily, but it can be. 
at the very least, it will pull you more and more into the material world, you know, because the thing is, it's the same thing with like stuff that you have in your house. You ever notice how the more stuff that you have, you you just get bogged down by it, constantly having to maintain it and clean it and, you know, organize it or I don't know, you know, just it, it sucks your attention, right? So this is why I believe a minimalist way of living is, is really the best because what all these things add up to, so why am I presenting all these things? Because ultimately what all these things add up to is they pull your attention away from the extremely valuable, the extremely refreshing, extremely spiritually necessary act of personal reflection. Only when you can just sit quietly and communicate with God and let yourself hear what you need to hear and see what you need to see and and have that personal reflection time, which has been coded into our existence for a very special reason, because that is how we discover the truth, right? It's through personal reflection. Only when you do that, that's when you can really grow spiritually in, in your understanding, in your humility, in your wisdom. None of those things that you do with personal growth or with self-ascension or working anything, anything having to do with the world, it really, I mean, really, that's what it boils down to. Anything having to do with material outcomes in the world, it ultimately reinforces your sense of self. Now, it's okay to have some sense of self. You know, you, you need to have an identity to work in the world and to be of service and to do, you know, various things. But ultimately what it comes down to is your sense of self is a functional aspect of delivering that spiritual wisdom, spiritual knowledge. And anything beyond that, it becomes self-destructive. You know, I mean, it just becomes this um, almost like a black hole that just sucks and sucks and sucks and, and takes away your spirituality because self again it's it's needed to some point but there is a point at which you reaffirm yourself so much through the material things you do through more identity stuff through personal growth through self-ascension through self-worship through you know all this stuff that we do to reaffirm our identity that it actually pulls you away from humility from spiritual practice from minimalism uh, and pulls you towards the material world. And again, these things, not all of them are like hedonistic, you know, going out and partying and, and doing drugs or something, but it's, it's more about the illusion that this world is what matters. This world is what matters. And it's not. It's really fundamentally not. And, you know, I mean, even science can agree with that. So... That's that's the ultimate thing. So you know, we go back to this idea of material solutions for a spiritual problem. Well, you know, what is the problem of being human? Why do we do what we do? Why do we ask, who am I? Why do we ask, why am I alive? Why do we ask, what do I need to do with my life? Why do we have relationships? Why do we seek meaning? You know, these, these profound, fundamentally, you know, difficult things to answer for ourselves, right? I mean, they, they cause so much uh, existential angst because we have awareness, right? And so 
All these things are spiritual problems. That's because human beings are spiritual creatures. We are designed to have spiritual experiences and to be self-aware and evaluate and have emotions and all these things. And so they, the only way to really succeed at that, to solve that problem, is to find a spiritual solution. But the problem is we are fooled, right? There's no better way to say it. Is we're fooled by the world, the material world, that this is reality, and so I need to seek something within this reality for the inner reality that is inside me that is aching for a solution to the suffering that I feel to the meaninglessness that I feel to the sense of loss that I feel to the confusion that I feel all these things are internal spiritual problems and we look outside for those solutions right I mean I see so many people voting (laughs) I mean don't even get me started on this stuff but it's you know, this whole idea that we can vote somebody into office that's going to save us. Do you really think a flawed human being can save you? Do you think any government system is the solution? No, the answer is no. There is no material solution. There's no new financial system that's going to be a solution. There's no new religion that's going to be a solution. There's no government. There's no type of government that could ever be a solution. Why? Because ultimately... All these things were created by people who are looking fundamentally to control the situation, right? Not to solve a spiritual problem. Government wasn't created to solve a spiritual problem, the spiritual problem of being human. Government was created, in fact, with a very different assumption of the human condition. And this is, this part's important. So... When you look at any kind of government, doesn't matter if it's on the left side or on the right side, government as a function is a dialectic. Right? So if you don't know what dialectic is, it's basically a Hegelian dialectic, which is problem, reaction, solution. All right, so marketing is a great example. You know, marketing will will convince you that you have a problem that you don't really have and then they'll offer you the solution which is their product right so this is really the same thing everywhere you look and government is no different i mean government supposes that human beings are naturally animals that they're selfish and that they need to be controlled that's the supposition that human beings will destroy themselves so we need a social contract right and and that kind of makes sense at first But if that's your supposition, then your initial premise is totally wrong because ultimately what you're doing is is basing everything else on this notion that humans need to be controlled in some way. It doesn't matter if it's right or left. The left side controls it eventually through communism, you know, through increased governmental control. But the right is, you know, it's based on reason and and logic and, and, you know, all these sort of, uh, if you look into it, esoteric occult backgrounds. And, you know, as much as I used to be, not really, I used to be a patriot, but I was patriotic, let's put it this way, for at least a year, a year and a half or so. And then I kind of, before that, I didn't care about voting. I thought it was a waste of time. And now I think that again. But for a year and a half, I kind of bought into the whole patriotism thing. 
because I wanted to see a change. I thought there would be some change in our country. But really, when you realize who pulls the strings, it doesn't ever, there's never going to be change. It's all just dialectics to keep you moving along from one side to the other and, and move an agenda. But that's not the point of this talk. The point is, ultimately, patriotism is, is a way of losing yourself in the material world. It really is. I mean, you know, if you think about it, it again, it sounds better, you know, on paper than communism, and for sure, um, you know, most people would agree with that. But better in terms of what? Again, how do we measure progress? How do we measure productivity? It's all relative. If I'm looking from a spiritual perspective, which to me is the most important perspective, then. You know, it doesn't matter. Patriotism and communism are equally unproductive in terms of helping your spirit grow, right? Now you may say, well, you know, patriotism, we were all about, you know, religious liberty and all this kind of stuff. Well, again, it seems, it seems logical that everything would work, you know, in that kind of system. But what it really comes down to is you get lost in the material world. You know, you get lost in... Putting your faith in other men, other women, you know, other flawed individuals, getting lost in all these conventions and, you know, swearing oaths to an immaterial object and, you know, getting so caught up in worshiping the creation is really what it comes down to. There's a lot of ways that we worship creation, meaning the the physical reality around us. And that's one of the ways that people have consistently become spiritually lost over you know, the last, whatever, several thousands of years. Now, whether they're worshiping a golden calf or a golden statue of Trump doesn't matter. The point is, you know, we worship creation. We worship and put something that isn't a source of life at the central pillar of our spiritual attention, right? So that's what happens when you worship something is when you, when the center of your spiritual attention and your spiritual practice is something other than the source of life, which is God. That's why the first commandment is don't have any other gods besides me. It's not because God is jealous or, you know, some immature little kid. No, it's because there is only one source of life. And when we put our attention on our careers first, you know, or whatever, anything in the world, anything in the world is, everything is constantly dying and changing. You can't place your trust in anything that mankind makes. You know, so that's what really comes down to. There's no solution. There's no solution. Both sides are rigged. And when you realize the full extent of of corruption and human, you know, just the the frailty of the human heart when it comes to power and greed and, and money and things like this, I mean, there's no solution. There's no solution. There's no new financial system that's going to be a solution. More money is not going to make you happier. It's really not. You could die tomorrow. I'm not trying to be morbid, but look, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so do you really think extra money is going to help you? What's the, what is the goal? Again, what is the frame that we're looking at for? Is, is, is the frame comfort? Then yeah, money will be productive. But you see, that's the funny thing with spiritual growth is that it's inverse to material growth most of the time in fact I can't really think of an example right now where material growth would help you also grow spiritually but 
Maybe there is one example, but the point is most of the time it's inversely related to material growth. So think about that, right? So if my frame for evaluating productivity, or let's say good, means I'm more comfortable now, I don't have to stress or worry, then yeah, more money is going to be productive for sure. It's going to be productive towards that goal. But what if, you know, you're, you're meant to really learn some spiritual lessons right now? And so having money would preclude you from those lessons because suffering just a little bit and having to deal with scarcity and having to deal with, with fewer resources and learning how to be grateful and, and faithful and courageous and humble, those things can only come about when you suffer. And so you see, from that perspective, not having money is actually the better thing <laughs> in sort of a masochistic way, but that's really just how spiritual growth works. It's never, it's never related to the material world in the sense like where, you know, there's such a, so many quotes about this in the Bible, but, you know, one of them's like, you can't love mammon, which is the material world, and God. You, know, you can't serve two masters. There's so many types of passages about this throughout Scripture and, and, and other texts, too. I mean, it's a pretty well-known spiritual idea that the material world is, is something that pulls you away from your spiritual practice. And so patriotism, uh, you know, excessive career focus, you know, worshiping your dog and putting that at the center of your life, I mean, there's so many things that we look for solutions to the, the pain in our hearts, right? except the thing that will actually give us a solution, which is finding time to reflect so that we can connect to God and, and pray and receive the wisdom and insight that we need to receive. You know, rather than being distracted or putting our hopes in this ever-changing dying world, it's a dying world. I mean, look at, you know, I hate to say this, but look look around you, man. Look around and just look and see at the rate that we're going. It doesn't take a conspiracy theorist or a crazy person to look around and say, you know, at the rate we're going, we're not going to be around another 20, 30 years. I mean, the things that we're doing are reaching a critical point with artificial intelligence with you know just immorality with genetic manipulation with control and government I mean it, it's it's just uh, it's crazy you know we don't have to get into any of that but the point is just look around you and realize that you're in a dying world and if you're Christian you know the great the good news is that there's a great solution to that and it's not going to that much longer I think from from the looks of it but in either case in either case don't put your faith in the material world stop looking for material world solutions to the pain that you feel inside you know and remember there's an afterlife I mean look it's you know it's so hard for us to to have faith you know but it it doesn't make any sense because for example if I told you look there's somebody who awarded you a billion dollars a billion dollars. It's a, it's a ton of money. But you have to drive 2,000 miles to go get it. You have to go pick it up. 
still a reward, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you'll, assuming you can get the money safely and get there safely, but, you know, you're set for life and your family's set for life and your generations are set for life. So if, if your answer would be yes, I would be willing to drive 2,000 miles to pick up that billion dollars. Then why is it so hard to have faith in God that you don't see? Why is it so hard to act morally, to be humble, to be chaste, to be generous, to forgive, you know, to, to do all these different things that we're told to do, to live a moral life so that we can get that reward? You ever thought about that? I mean, the reality is that you probably, you know, on a 2,000 mile journey, you might get into an accident and die, God forbid, right? But you might, you know, get into an accident and get disabled and then have to use that money to keep yourself alive. I mean, you might, there's so many things that could happen, right? But yet we are drawn to this obvious thing and so easily would, would do it to, to save ourselves, right? And yet we're not guaranteed anything. Whereas when we are guaranteed something with the afterlife, in that if we have faith and we act accordingly, then we are rewarded eternally. I mean, a billion dollars, even a billion dollars you can spend if you want, but this is eternal life, right? Without pain, without suffering, without the problem of being human. That is the spiritual solution. When we're offered that, it suddenly, you know, becomes a difficult thing to do, or, you know, there's excuses or, you know, questions or doubts. Isn't that funny? I think that's just so strange. And, you know, it's ultimately because we don't have a comparison. We don't have a comparison to, you know, you you can't, like, try heaven out for a day (laughs) and come back and say, you know what, man, that was worth it. I got to get my act together. Because that's that's the ultimate reality. What the hell am I doing here? This is this is really an illusion, you know. But we're not given that luxury because then you know you wouldn't you wouldn't need faith. I mean, some people have near death experiences with with some type of experience like that. But in reality, like nobody's ever really experienced heaven for a day and then come back and say, yeah, you know, it was awesome. And I'm totally going to turn my life around. Again, there's people with near-death experiences that have had a drastic change of their spirituality. Uh, In both ways. I mean, some people even (laughs) experience going to hell, you know, or some sort of tunnel where demons were ripping their flesh off. I mean, that's, you know, in either way, right? Even if you had a one day of heaven or one day of hell, um... Most likely, you know, I would say 100% of the time or 99% of the time, people would say, yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's time to get my act together. But we don't have that luxury. And why? Because we need to develop faith. Again, you know, spiritual growth is inversely related to the material world and its success. Right? So if somebody just showed you what heaven or hell looked like, well, then, you know, it would be easy. You, would ha- you wouldn't have to develop any character you would obey out of fear or you know whatever some sort of I mean we know there's a reward but if you could taste it and then you would obey then it wouldn't be as authentic would it so in this way 
you really can grow your, your faith. And so ask yourself that, you know, if you were to say yes to that billion dollar road trip, which has so many things that could go wrong with it. I mean, just so many. Why not say yes to the idea that there is an afterlife and living morally, living justly, generously, forgiving? And of course, you know, from the Christian perspective, having faith that your sins have been paid for by the Creator Himself. So, you know, those are the spiritual solutions to the spiritual problems of being human. I'm not saying, you know, live, go out, live like a monk in the forest, because we do need to be in the world. We unfortunately need to have money to do certain things. We need to, you know, have food. But look, here's the thing, you know, when you're really in tune with spirit and you realize who God is, what his nature is, what his track record is, and what he's said numerous times about the fact that he will always take care of you. Do you really think you'll ever not get what you need? Right? That's that's really what it comes down to. You know, this whole sense of striving to make anything in the material world is an illusion. Jesus tells us we should strive for the narrow gate, which is the spiritual. You know, it's that that sort of narrow path that few will enter because many will go by the wide path of comfort and, and, you know, taking it easy and so on. And the narrow gate is what we should strive for. It's very important to use, use the word strive. But how many people do you see actually applying all of their effort and passion and discipline to their spiritual life? So many people apply it to their material life to create material results that, you know... <laughs> They're meaningless. I mean, they really are. Honestly, like I should, I'm not saying you shouldn't try to do anything in the world. Obviously, we're here to enjoy it, to experience it to some degree. But don't forget the, the main reason we're here. It's the spiritual proving ground. We are spiritual creatures, right? So, so strive for the narrow gate and, and don't strive to do so many material things or hope, place your hope in you know, material world solutions. Because there are none. <laughs> There's only temporary solutions that can give you a little comfort, give you a little sense of, false sense of safety. You're never safe. You're never safe. I mean, you really never are. You're only safe when you place your faith in God. Because only God knows the outcomes, and only God can guide you through the challenges of your life. You can't do it. I can't do it. Some new age guru or motivational guru can't do it. They don't care. As much as it seems that they do, they don't. Just have a business to run. A flawed human being can't do it. Voting is not going to do it. Buying something new is not going to do it. Making more money is not going to do it. And my wager is that when you can solve your problem spiritually, then you'll see the material world catch up too. Isn't that neat how that works? I think so.